Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Hello, I'm Connor Faulkner, and this is Driving Life. Welcome to episode four, where I meet architect Dermot Bannon, and later in part two, we meet my old friend Klaus Kramer, who worked inside Formula One for a time, and has since relocated to Scariff in County Clare, where he works as a photographic artist. Part two starts at about 45 minutes. First up, it's Dermot Bannon, who dropped in to me for a cup of coffee and what turned out to be a long chat, from growing up in Kinsealy and holidays in Wexford, becoming an architect and the long-running success that is RTE's room to improve, Dermot is great company and has great passion, especially for his latest project, Ava Housing, a charity that keeps people in their own homes by converting the upstairs into fresh accommodation. Let's go and meet him. Dermot Bannon, you are very good to, to come and see us. Thank, Thank you very much. much. Thank yeah. you very much for having me. Oh, listen, I'm, I'm delighted. You're very, you're very good to take the time. Um, I've, I've put a cup of coffee into you and yeah. you need it. You were saying I do. Yeah. you're just starting to smell it again. It's just, yeah, so I, I had COVID. Um, wow. It feels like a dirty word saying it. It does, got, doesn't it? Yeah, I had the COVID. No, but um, I, 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 I don't know where I got it from, how I got it. And that's that's the frightening thing is yeah. because... I'm, I'm like I've, I've kids at home, so we're not out. I'm not out and about. I don't go to concerts. Mm-hmm. Hadn't been to a restaurant. Hadn't been to a public space. Um, so it's it, it is very transmissible. And how did you how do you, do you notice? Do you just onset of symptoms? You know, yeah, I had a symptoms. cough. I had a cough, and the cough was persistent. And I did an antigen test, which was negative. Right. And the cough wouldn't go away. And the second night, I couldn't sleep with it. So I got up the next morning and did another antigen test, and it was positive. And then. Right. I went and got a PCR test and the rest is okay. isolation isolation <laughs> isolation yeah um, so isolation as in literally locked away in a bedroom yeah because if you're living in a house with other people you don't yeah. want them to get it so uh, I had to go into a bedroom and luckily we have an ensuite bathroom yeah everybody um, knows that everybody knows that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> probably I've had people describe how my house is laid out to me yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so do you know when you go upstairs and you go down there okay um, so uh, yeah so with that I, I, I was lucky I had that but my god it was tough yeah. I'm not one of these people who sits still I, I even at offices yeah. I, I remember, like during the pandemic when yeah. building sites shut down and all of that I I found that really difficult because I like to kind of mix things up so I love being on building sites I love having to travel to Cork yeah. I like my own company in a car I love um, uh, you know I, I love movement and, and being in transit so you, you always have to have at least two or three plates in the air which would be happy to be happy yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so when you were locked down, then did yeah. anybody else in the family get it? I mean, no. they all tested and all. They all tested. Um, my youngest son, because he's not vaccinated, he's too young, and yeah. um, he had to stay isolated. He actually had to isolate longer than me. So oh, right. Some of the rules are a bit. Anyway, you don't question it. I suppose they're. Yeah, yeah. Everybody says they're making it up as they go along, but that is kind of the truth, isn't it? Yeah. Because mm. it, they're well, not dealing with something that has been around for hundreds of years. Yeah, and they're going to make up a better thing than I am. You know, just with doing a bit of Facebook research exactly. myself. Yeah, these people and that's all about all doing, and we all yeah. have an opinion on. It. It's funny. I was thinking about it the other day. It's it, 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 people are kind of getting tired of it in the news and all that. But, yeah. And uh, but is there anything that has ever been in the news that affects everybody? Mm. 
yeah, exactly. equal without except because you know there's a housing crisis and yeah. people will be onlookers to that some people will be experiencing it mm. and some people will be homeless other everyone will, will be aware of it but the um, climate change again yeah uh, at this in, in this part of the world are we really feeling it yet I don't think we are when you go to see where the monsoons and where weather has yeah. really changed we will feel it in another 50 years but I think there is nothing that has been in the media or in the news that bar that, like COVID that yeah. has affected everybody because we've all been locked it's, down it's, it's, it's like it's like a hurricane where everybody's house is knocked down exactly yeah yeah. and we wanted to go away and we're tired but we're still it's really hard not to watch the news and to pick yeah. up and, and, and pick up facts and we're all become experts on it oh yeah expert epidemiologists yeah, yeah, this Luke, and the other. Luke O'Neill is our new hero. Yeah, various. <laughs> We're starting to learn the Greek alphabet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to impress each other. Um, and when you were locked down, you weren't sick, so you could still kind of work. I did. I, I moved. Uh, my my wife left my 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 youngest son's desk outside the door, and I I got the, I used to hear this, and that meant food or something was being delivered to me. And then I lifted the desk in, and we we had a really really he had a very very cheap chair in his room <laughs> that I've been. Whose fault is that? That's my fault. That I've been meaning to replace. For, but I sat on that. I used to sit at the desk during the day, and then I'd sit up against a wall in the evening time. But you were pacing, it. pacing the cell, yeah. practically, like for, absolutely. And, and did it mean that uh, for all the various projects and plates that were in the air, for once people know how to get hold of you? Yes, because you're. Yeah. <laughs> well, I couldn't say you, I was away. Yeah, yeah so if, he, if he doesn't answer the phone, it's because. No. He but it was hard because I didn't have all the equipment that I need in, in in the office, so I had no scanners or printers. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I had to. So that's why the drawings were late well that's why the drawings arrived on like what was happening was the stuff that I was drawing up when I was in isolation I had the drawing in front of me in a laptop yeah. and I was sketching out a version of it because I couldn't sketch over the actual drawing yeah, and yeah. then I was taking a photograph of it and then sending it by WhatsApp to, to people so but so I got well oiled machine oh there's a kitchen I visited today on site and that was all designed in lockdown with no drawings uh, may, a sketch up maybe you're onto something maybe because when you turn up on site and something inspires you the yeah. view out of a particular or window catches yeah. something uh, and before you know it the entire thing's been redesigned yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's, a fun, it's a fun way to do it um, the, the, the supposed theme of this podcast to which I occasionally stick is, okay. is, is, is cars okay so um, I know you grew up in Dublin Malahide North yes, County North Dublin, Dublin yes um, and you, you had a couple of siblings growing up I did you had a brother and a sister and, yeah. uh, and did it, were family holidays in the car a thing when you guys um, beat each other up in the backseat yeah well I don't know if they were called family holidays because uh, back then we went to my granny's so we were we were the only family um, out of both my dad's family and my mum's family who lived in Dublin okay. uh, dad were, was a horticulturalist he worked for Chagas oh, and okay. he was from Dungarvan and he moved up to Dublin to work in Kinsealy in the Chagas Research Centre in Kinsealy right and spent I think the first 10 years waiting for a transfer back down to Dungarvan somewhere <laughs> close to Dungarvan and never got it and then we grew up and settled in Malahide and became dubs which yeah. was annoyance and all yeah. that so and my mum was from uh, just outside New Ross from a little oh um, did she down Wexford direction Wexford uh, Camp Isle um, oh yeah okay um, and so my mum was a teacher so she would get she was a secondary school teacher so she'd get the long school holiday so as soon as we were kind of uh, out of school we were thrown in the car and we were brought down to Wexford growing up in Malahide um, a lot of my friends parents worked with Aer Lingus of course and in the airport so they got free flights 
<laughs> we got free mushrooms. And so I think that we... Well, yeah, depending <laughs> on the mushroom. But so they were always kind of heading off somewhere. Oh, we're going to Florida this year. We're going to yeah. Spain. And, and you're going to your brandies. We were going to Wexford. We were going yeah. back down to Booty Bay. Now I look back on it really fondly. And I like I the memories are uh, of... Like, my granny had a lovely old farmhouse and it's still there and there was three rooms so there's a kitchen uh, there was a small living room in the middle and then there's a parlour and I don't ever remember um, an occasion good enough to go into the parlour oh, ever too good yeah. ever yeah, yeah. And the only time we went in there was for hide and seek as kids <laughs> so um, it's a lovely childhood and you I know because I read about you before that you were always kind of creative for, like for you it was sort of Lego and modelling yeah. rather than games of football on the back yeah I was never a sporty kid and and it's yeah. funny because all my kids are really sporty. Oh, right, and okay. I love it. And is your wife Louise? Is she sporty? No, not really. <laughs> no, so maybe we have that gene, but we never explored mm. it. So I probably should. Try it was and, recessive. In probably, your yeah, I probably should try and play for Ireland now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I loved playing with Lego. I loved drawing. I loved uh, painting. I loved making things. And I suppose that's yeah. like that's yeah. like a, a building starts on a white page. Yeah, yeah, it gets and, conceived first, and yeah. it gets conceived first, and it's uh, it's 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 uh, it's it, that I loved. I love having something in the head putting that onto paper yeah. then seeing it kind of being made and adjusting it tweaking it because you'll see things when they become yeah. three dimensional and then the final result and yeah, very satisfying yeah yeah. I suppose yeah. You, I, mean, I, I, I take it, it, I take it for granted it's yeah. what, but it's what I do every day and I suppose it's the drug it is that drug yeah. and, and, and I actually I like when things go wrong because that's <laughs> but it's like well it's, you're very experienced uh, very experienced but <laughs> But it's a it's like you know people who love Sudoku and people who love yeah. crosswords. It's the it's when when something isn't quite working out and you, and it, and you need to solve it like a puzzle. Mm. Think, oh, hold on a second. What happens if we reduce the depth of that or pull that apart by ten millimeters? Then it'll all work. Yeah. And I love that. And yeah, I love very it. satisfying. And you're walking away and you kind of you feel like you know drop the mic kind of. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, yeah. And the rest of all thing. Well, why didn't yeah. you draw that in the first place? Well, you 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 did train as an architect straight yeah. from uh, so that you you're primary degree was uh, you went over to England I think yeah I went to yeah because back in the day it was uh, points were really high yeah, in, yeah. and because there's only two colleges you had went to UCD or went to Bolton Street and I missed I missed it by I think it was something like two points I was, I was on a waiting list for a second round offer and architecture was always crazy points wasn't mm-hmm. it yeah, because I suppose it was supply and demand. Yeah, there was, yeah. There, was, there was something like 150 places for 4,000 people applying for it. Right. It's yeah. a bit better now because there's more universities. Like you can do it in Cork, you can do yeah, it in yeah, you yeah. can do it in Watford. But back then you couldn't. So it was really difficult to get in. And I remember it because it, it killed my parents because I was only 17 when I did my leaving. Yeah, I yeah. was too. I was quite yeah. young. Yeah. Well, I think we all were. We didn't have transition year. Yeah, that's right. Or anything like that. And you start to school when you were four. Yeah. Whereas now kids start school when they're five, and they have transition years. So they're you know what I, I would be nineteen doing this at the same difference. Year. If you've teenagers now, it's 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 a big difference between sixteen and eighteen, yeah, seventeen and nineteen. Of course it is. But I headed off on my own um, yeah. on a plane to England, and back then there was no FaceTime, there was no WhatsApp. No, of course not. No. So you've queued up the phone box once a week to reverse the charges home for a twenty-minute yeah. phone call, and that was it. That's and how they knew you were alive. That's how they knew you were alive. 
live and they were waiting by the phone on a Tuesday night or whatever night you couldn't even text them to say I'll ring you in yeah, 20 yeah, minutes yeah. It, it was sitting by the phone and, and or you, you kind of you got really annoyed then if you rang home and both of them weren't there yeah I, I remember I've, about that same era I was in uh, Denmark on summer holidays from college you know, with, and we were just you know over washing plates and yeah. doing whatever jobs we were doing but somewhere in the city there was this phone box just standing on the street and it had a random quirk with it whereby if you hit a particular sequence of keys you got free international calls <laughs> and there'd be a queue of Irish Miles, people yeah, yeah. A queue of Irish people and you'd be there on a Sunday morning I never I, you'd often hear that I never yeah. believe those urban myths yeah, yeah. that in this phone if you tap it 17 times that way that you, yeah. but, but it did work somebody figured it out somebody figured uh, it out and then every every Irish kid in the city nobody else did yeah. it was an Irish rendezvous with the free phone <laughs> um, so you, you survived the, the experience in, um, in England and you did yeah. qualify and, but then really quickly you went to RTE I didn't quite get that because you, well, you were practicing as an architect and then suddenly you're on telly well I, no, I, I, I suppose I, I maybe it was 10 years I was, oh, I was, I, I was practicing yeah. as an architect for 10 years so I, 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 I started uh, with A&D Vayhart and um, that was a baptism of fire they were a big practice at the time right. um, but they worked on huge commercial like they were to, uh, Blanchestown Hospital oh, okay. Nace General Hospital uh, yeah. Blanchestown Shopping Centre and then you get bits of that then do you well you would generally but I kind of landed on my feet a little bit and um, so real work real life. work for about 10 years and then um uh, Orty did a program called House Hunters, which was like the Irish yeah. version of Location, Location, Location. Yeah. There's two presenters, Roisin Murphy and Liz O'Kane. Liz is Deirdre O'Kane's sister, oh. and Roisin Murphy is now on Home Rescue. Um, ah, the, okay, yes. Yeah, so so yeah. she uh, was on baby number, I can't remember, four, I think, and it's getting a bit much for her. So the RAI, which is the Institute of Architects in Ireland, yeah. um, they put up on their website that they were looking for a presenter for uh, location or for uh, house hunters yeah and I was there oh god I, I always watched it and thought that's yeah. kind of a cool thing to do yeah. what she's doing doing it on television yeah, sketching yeah. it so um, I rang up I uh, I, I got uh, well, I didn't realise when I was ringing up I was actually being interviewed at the time um, yeah. so because the researcher was questioning me and I got called for a screen test and I, th- I thought nothing of it I just yeah, thought yeah, yeah. I'll go along to this like what what, what, are, you think, what are the odds you know, what are the and odds? what have I got yeah. to lose so I went up and I did a screen test and then I got a phone call and they said the job is yours and then I was there oh god I, I right. actually have a job <laughs> so how did you just I, I just I, I, I had to ask for some time off from my job to go away and film that right. and, and it was so stressful because I still had jobs in sight it wasn't it was it was, it was a difficult thing to do um, and then when it was all finished I went back oh god I'll never do that again yeah yeah and then they rang me and they said we um, we, we were talking during lunch one time about uh, back then stamp duty was huge yeah and yeah. people were spending 80 or 90,000 just on stamp duty to move house and I'm thinking you know that 80 or 90,000 would solve the problem with the house they wouldn't have to move in the first place so they're better off spending the stamp duty money on making their own house a little yeah, bigger yeah. so the producers um, went back to RT and they said God this sounds like a really good idea yeah. so they, we kind of worked on it a bit but this is all just during lunch chatting mm. away and somebody else is working out in the background and they come back and says RT love that idea I said I'm not doing it <laughs> what do you mean and I really had to be pushed into it and I, I didn't want I, to leave my job and so I went in and, and I, I, I explained to, to my boss and he said, 
let's see how you get on. Look, we'll, we'll go a bit more part time because you yeah. know, and take a chunk of time out. So I did that, and um, it was very stressful. I hated it. Did the first series of Room to Improve and said, I'm never doing it again. I do this all the time. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then look, I, I I carried on doing that for about two years, and then eventually I said, right, I, I have to do something. I have to make her break. So. If I was to stay working for the big practice, I had to give up the TV. Yeah, and I and and, that, and it was going well at that. It stage. was going well, yeah. So I said, mm. so I made the decision to set up yeah. my own practice and do the TV, which yeah. and it's I ballsy, man. It well, I. They, it was I made my, my mind up in October 2008 the day oh, nice. just before Lehman's Lehman went down yeah. so I set up my own practice <laughs> and went into television full time in the mig- middle of the biggest wow. recession at the start of the biggest recession yeah. it couldn't have been worse and not only was that the, the deepest cut in terms of recession that we've ever faced uh, um, but, but if it focused on one sector more than any others if the yes. pandemic is hitting hospitality harder than anything else the recession hit recession hit the construction, construction and, and therefore architecture and all the upstream in, and downstream but the only thing is in, in some ways I was kind of lucky because what happened then is people were stuck with negative equity and they couldn't yeah. move out of their homes so families were in homes that they thought were going to be starter homes yeah and that they might you know I'll, we'll buy we'll be here because back then people bought and sold houses every 20 minutes I know yeah and I, if you didn't have seven houses you were nothing oh it, it, yeah. all of the things in terms of seeing it coming in hindsight you wonder why we all didn't just have our fingers and our ears waiting yeah. for the thing to go pop yeah I remember sitting in an office by myself on day one when I set up the practice with a, a little heater beside me <laughs> wondering was the phone going to ring wondering was and and uh, but it did and you know I suppose the TV show was was, was good publicity it must have been so it meant that people would email you and you just had to follow it up but like I was going down to Dingle to do tiny jobs you were doing yeah. whatever you could to put food on the table but I, I, I suppose I was lucky in a way that I always knew I had a year's worth of work in the television yeah so, so you had that as a sort of that was yeah. the mortgage paid yeah. well that's an enormous start it was great like and um, and I but I suppose it's television it, yeah. it's show business regardless whether it's in construction or how serious the job might be that you're mm. doing you're still only as good as your last one so um, like you never had a guarantee that the programme was going to be recommissioned yeah, of course. And in the early days yeah. of Room to Improve, um, it was just a regular show. It didn't have the following that it has now. Mm. It didn't have. Um, it, it was. It, it was kind of. It did fine in the figures and the yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was never. It wasn't Ortiz. It, yeah, it, it, it grew. Well, Coltish is a bit of an overstatement. I, mean, I know it does run in the UK and some international uh, kind of channels. No, but it's a, a, a huge, a huge success. And, and well, do you know? Uh, look, uh, it, there's a lot of luck involved in it, and there was a couple of things that happened. Um, I remember we were we did a, a uh, we were a half an hour show and mm-hmm. they uh, they, uh, they they I think it was ourselves and Operation Transformation and I think it was Off the Rails there were yeah. three shows and they said look we'd like to experiment could you stretch those shows out to an hour yeah. and we said oh god how are we going to do that and we said we're going to have to have more people involved mm-hmm. so we have to get to know maybe the quantities of air so yeah. got, that's when Patricia came yeah. on board back in the day and um, and we, we did that and we settled into it. And then when the show, when they started to edit it, they said, it's got much more space in it. It's yeah. got much more, and sorry, excuse the pun there, but it has, much, <laughs> it, it has, it has it, it, it's got a life of its own. It's breathing. It's really, it, it really transformed the program going to an hour. Yeah. And then Orti showed it and it did very well. And then they came back and said, oh, listen, next year we've no slots and we want you to go back to the half hour. And we said, we can't. 
You know, we've right. kind of we've we've, hit a, we, we've we've actually found yeah. it's natural. We have a formula now that really we, works. A, a yeah. rhythm. We need the hour, and they were there. Oh, oh, what do we do now? So the only slot that was available mm-hmm. um, was a Sunday night slot. So yeah. half nine on Sunday, and that's the golden slot in yeah. RTE. So even if your program isn't great you'll get a certain amount of viewers just by virtue of being there they'll hang on for, and they'll watch the news on a Sunday night nobody goes out on a Sunday night yeah. and you'll get so they took a big risk and they said okay yeah. we'll put you in that but you better deliver guys mm-hmm. and it, it put it to us and and uh, but so who, who's on the team making the program because I, I mean I'm, I'm very aware of you obviously yeah because front of camera and, and Patricia's on the team yeah or, well we've cleared this here so oh, yeah. Patricia kind of uh, she stepped back a couple of years ago but she steps in and out for the odd program here yeah. um, and until you give her a nervous breakdown yeah and it's always me giving people a nervous breakdowns yeah, isn't it? Yeah, nobody yeah. ever asks me how I am yeah uh, well, well, that's her next question you'd struggle, you'd struggle <laughs> to find a character witness in Ireland you'd have to search search the place for people who haven't seen Room 2 that's well that's true yeah. but it, it, it who else is involved so we've we, uh, are you talking about in the host yeah thing? just in, in, yeah, in it's a huge operation together, yeah. it's a huge operation like I suppose on the TV end of it you've got producers you've got production managers like there's at least three people in the office in Coco TV okay Yeah. Okay, then there's yeah. an executive producer who oversees everything and um, you've got sound man cameraman they're on the day to day but I suppose there's there's at least five or six of us then uh, over the last couple of years I managed to get a bit of a budget to get some help so Very um, good, yeah. and so I've, I've a really good friend I was really lucky uh, a friend of mine Kieran, is freelance and he works from home and he had a couple of hours and so he came on board he was on he featured on my own uh, episode very good yeah, yeah, the, yeah the guy from Tyrone with the yeah oh, the soft spoken yeah. yeah he was yeah he was one of my best yeah. friends in college and so we, yeah. we kind of so he took one look at your design and told you it looked ridiculous or something pedestrian pedestrian was the worst I was on Grafton Street that's the design oh my god in, 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 in the design world that doesn't get any bigger <laughs> the deepest cut it's kind of like okay. vanilla it's very vanilla oh, yeah, it's no, very, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, Kieran is involved then quantity spheres we've got engineers you've got builders like it's a massive team mm. um, and because we, we work like I think one of the reasons that Room to Improve is what it is is because there's a huge amount goes into it it's not something that anybody phones in it's a years long yeah Every episode takes a year. Yeah, and of course the the, the uh, homeowner is massively invested as well. Like this is yes, yeah. hugely invested. All of their money and their home. Yeah, yeah. All of their money and some and their home. So it's 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 a massive. Yeah, that's a pretty big stake. Yeah, yeah. It is, but I suppose look, I do that for a living, so I don't. Uh, and the results are by and large fantastic. I mean, the kind of the arc kind of goes. Uh, uh, you know, the, 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 typically the homeowner has got some ambitions that are way beyond the budget. There has to be some rational conversation on the budget yeah. uh, you then worsen the budget again by coming up with late ideas um, and, but, the, but the practical I'm listening yeah. I'm listening go on the practical <laughs> shot always seems to be that we're a little bit over budget but the result is fantastic um, and, and they do now maybe you know when you're showing them on the final day they, they look absolutely pristine and uh, and gorgeous but the, some of the results are fantastic well, thank you oh, look, yeah. look, I, each one is a, I, I suppose a, a labour of love like people say what's your favourite episode I don't because mm. you know if you've solved a problem for somebody and you've 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 uh, but like the, I, I suppose it's different to other shows as well because clients are so heavily involved and a lot of design shows the clients come in at the very end and it's yeah. all staged there's, there's, a, re- there's a reveal yeah the whereas we, we don't have any of that yeah, yeah and even this year now we're getting rid of the party uh, because, oh, COVID, yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. so okay. so it's going to be just that that'll be interesting to do a reveal with just the couple but I, I kind of hate 
hated. I've always hated the clinking of glasses at the end. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a bit. Signature no, but it's, not, it's like going into work every day and getting a pat on the back on the way out, and how brilliant! Like it's like yeah. you know when you were in the AA, and, and every time you left the office in the evening, we'll, we'll drink champagne to Connor. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, that, that used to happen all the time. Did it? Form an honor guard. <laughs> you get out and yeah. clink, clink, clink. So I always found that very uncomfortable because at the end of the day, it's a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, at that bit, you're done doing the job, and you're back to your pure show business that you're doing. You are, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that end of it. Yeah. I, I don't like the show business end of it. I, I don't like. I'm not a natural celebrity. There's other people shine and they love it and they mm. love. It. And I, I put up with it. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I know that it's good for business. I know it's, it's a, it's a, it, 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 there's, there's a nice warm fuzzy feeling when you travel around Ireland yeah. and everybody knows your name. It can be nice. It can be lovely. Yeah. And, and people are are really nice to me and they're, uh, you know, the slagging and the bit of the joke. Yeah, yeah. You go in to buy a cup of coffee in Longford and the, oh, well, Dermot, do you have a new calculator this year? And, yeah. But that's lovely. Like, it, I feel it, like they're affectionate digs. Really. Very much yeah, so. Yeah. I know I never take, but uh, unless it's not meant, but I always take it as affectionate digs. But there, there's something really nice about being a local everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's very And, and that's really, yeah. that's what I love yeah. about it. And you do travel around Ireland. Do you, yes. You, so you, like, uh, you're going to talk about cars. I was going to say, I should get <laughs> that's to such it. a nice yeah, segue. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> and, and, a lot of the shows, well, you're kind of in car or taking Cork yeah. car. So is it, is it kind of a, 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 a space where you can, if, if you're committed to driving to Cork, just Party, yeah. fantastic that's three hours when I'm I can just I, I love driving I've always loved driving and uh, and actually I'll let you in on a secret sometimes when we yeah. have to knit together some of the storylines yeah uh, we they do put me in the car for a day just to do film to film links yeah <laughs> so yeah, it might yeah. be do you remember at the time Dermot you were really annoyed about that well it didn't really come across when we filmed it so we yeah. need to, it's called a pickup. so we'll drive yeah. and then, so I have to go back into that headspace and say oh I wish they wouldn't pick that piece of stone or I wish they wouldn't do yeah, that yeah. and so that is, so we link it all but I suppose the car has become another character in the yeah show. yeah very good and, so, and you are an enthusiastic driver I love cars yeah. I always have I didn't really ha- get to drive properly until I got my first car and I was yeah. 25 by the time I got my yeah. first car yeah and, well, that's not that unusual because it was so prohibitively expensive yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was uh, back then you could only get a one litre car yeah, yeah and okay. you were lucky if it had four gears and you, you know so it was a, it was a matte blue because it couldn't even afford the, um, the the metallic paint it was a matte and it was 10 years old was it by the time I got it uh, it was a Toyota Starlet well engineered joke anyway. one, one litre yeah, yeah. And I was very proud of it and I drove that car as if it was an S class Mercedes yeah. up and down the country no problem I'd head off to Cork and that's in my four speed Toyota Starlet very good yeah and uh, I loved it absolutely loved it yeah. and so you don't mind being a road warrior long hours in the car no I, I actually really enjoy I'm, like for me um at the ideal holiday myself and my wife actually before we had kids uh, Louise worked the ideal holiday going over to like Barcelona and looking what did Gaudi do there yeah, yeah. really yeah. Uh, cities and travelling and I'm I, I love that I absolutely um, my ideal holiday was we, we and we did loads and we mm. flew into one airport yeah and out of an airport another airport and with a guidebook 
and no accommodation booked. And follow your nose in And follow our nose. And we used to do road trips. So we did it. Uh, we did them all over Europe. We did an amazing one in California. We, oh, wow. We kind of did, we drove to the Grand Canyon from Las Vegas. Then we drove from San Diego, the Hoa to San Francisco and back up into this, there's two valleys. There's the Napa Valley and the Sonoma Valley. And we went up into the Sonoma Valley and we did it as a road trip. And Magic. The first couple of days it was a bit kind of, oh God, I wish we could stay in it. But then you get used to it. And it was literally, it was a big old, it was a Chevrolet and you used to, to open the button with the boot with the, we used to stand big huge American yoke big huge American yoke three litres you were filling it up all the, but to throwing all your luggage into plastic bags and into the boot we never had to pack up anything so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I, I loved I love driving I love exploring I love yeah. going into other cities and learning my way around by car I remember when I got my first sat nav um, I loved it and then I realised I have no idea where I am whereas when I used to prepare a trip I'd go in I'd, I'd find a map I knew if I was heading north-south I could find my way out of anywhere well I'm hopeless at that I'm, I'm, br- I'm oh, direction I, is my thing I, I could get lost in the baths like I really just uh, north-south-east-west I had my Absolutely clueless, and Lorraine is brilliant. She would n- never get it wrong. Oh, I could even I know I go. I know by the shadows in the building what time of the day it is, which yeah. way they're falling. I suppose I could kind of figure yeah. it out, but it doesn't stop me in the spur of the moment turning the wrong way. I mean, mm. give me a, give me a straightforward choice, and I will go wrong. And in a split second, later, Lorraine will tell me it's that the, the wrong way. Whereas I'm the opposite, and I love it. I love navigating. I love driving. I love exploring. Mm. Um, my ideal trip now would be to, and I just have to convince the kids to do it. We get the ferry over to France, and yeah. I'd love to go. To to as many European cities, drive into them by car, explore them, uh, take a couple of months off and do that. Fantastic. That would be yeah, my, because yeah. we used to do that in college. When we wanted to go on a trip, there was no, um, there was, like Ryanair was just in its infancy. So to go interrailing maybe. Yeah. Or we used to get a transit van, the college had a transit van Very and good. 10 of us would go on it and we'd, we'd, we used to get the ferry from Hull down to Rotterdam. Then you go down to South France. We saw the Corbusier buildings, Ronchamp. and oh, yeah. um, We'd go down into Verona we'd, arrive, we'd spend three or four hours in Verona uh, Castle Vecchio uh, Carlscarpa um, then we'd go down so I did the most amazing trips yeah. in a transit van and and I think there's something about the scale of, of a country that you understand by road that yeah. flying gets rid of yeah and, and you understand how there's so much bigger countries than Ireland like yeah. if you're in the north of Italy for example and you go in and look at Verona or, or whatever it is and I love Dublin it's a great city and it's a great little country we live yeah. in but my lord we stayed in Rome once for a week and there was a little church around the corner we got a, um, an apartment Airbnb or something in Piazza Navona around the corner there was a little church which was lovely and it had three Caravaggios yeah. and on the wall of the local church the local church, church yeah oh, the country is it, steep Italy is we did actually a road trip for our honeymoon in Italy ah brilliant we went to uh, we went to a little island for a couple of days just yeah. to get a bit of sun we went to Elba and then, oh Napoleon's Elba yeah for really Napoleon's good. Elba we even but in fairness now that I mentioned we went to do or an or to re- and on the beach yeah but I just couldn't I, I I went and rented a little Renault Twingo at the time right. from a place next door and because I I knew there was an island out there to be explored yeah and you're not going to spend your your few days on the beach and never see it so. no and I just thought ah, look I I, I I I and we did we rented the car we drove to the side of the island and then and then we we went back and we we did uh, Tuscany so we did Florence we did Siena and Beautiful, Pisa yeah. and it was just a, yeah. and, and, and and as you drive these places you sort of feel afterwards you kind of own them a bit and don't you yeah. yes yeah. Yeah. so you, that's my Verona that's yeah my, I, you imagine yourself if I was living here yeah. or, you know that I yeah. and, and I love that and I love driving and, and if the Euro Millions did happen mm. right or something absolutely spectacular would you well you, the home drum condor is superb but would you upstakes and go to an Italy or something like that or would you ooh <laughs> 
Oh, I don't know. Uh, see, I think, uh, I think, I, I suppose after years, after, and, and I'm lucky, uh, like one of the other TV shows that I do is, in, is Incredible Homes and where I yeah, get to travel around the world. Yeah. And, uh, they that's, all, that's almost like property porn isn't it? Oh, you're just looking at these and not almost uh, like yeah. it is it's, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. 100% great. but um, yeah there is something about home right mm. and uh, like it's family it's friends it's sense of humour it's understanding of yeah. culture and, mm. and I love going places but I also love coming home. Yeah. And uh, I think a place wouldn't be a special. Like, I, like a lot of people say, oh, we bought a holiday home. We never bought anything anywhere. Yeah. Because I never want to go back to the same place like twice so you're, you're always exploring yeah. yeah I just think the whole world is out there yeah. why would you want to go back to now maybe some people and uh, love that and they like the familiarity of it but I actually love going to a new place yeah. Yeah. and discovering so I, I think if you go there all the time or if you uproot and you moved to Italy or you mm. moved to France it's not new anymore yeah. it just becomes it's just and, and then as soon as you become familiar with the area well then you're not exploring anymore no you're not yeah. and so I think there's a real thrill in the new and there's a real yeah. thrill in the kind of being out of your comfort zone like and there's places that I haven't been to which I would be nervous to travel to but I can't wait like I haven't been to India and oh I, yeah okay yeah and I and everybody tells you oh the Delhi belly and, and I suppose that's it and yeah. you kind of have to go up it's a bit like having COVID oh you lose your taste as well now. that won't happen to me it did yeah, so yeah, I yeah. presume when I go to India I won't be able to I'll be, be a high risk undertaking but you'll have taken all your precautions choking up for the first week yeah. but I, I'd like I, I think you know as soon as you uproot and move you're making and and there's something nice about having a base with your family around and your friends around and yeah. all of that but explore and go off and be the wanderer and have the wanderlust with, with the touchstone at home exactly so so when the Euro Millions happens as it I'm, not, I'm not going to change yeah. I, and I think what will cars be in the driveway will it, will it be oh, I, I have I have, a, I have a gorgeous car now and go on what is it it's an XC90 oh, uh, very nice Volvo yeah. and it's look it's a very 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 practical family car yeah but it's I, I love it I absolutely love it and uh, I I bought it because it's it look there's people who love cars I love cars but yeah. there's people who love cars because of the dynamics and how they drive yeah. and all of that and I, I understand all that but I, I I actually look at cars with a designer's eye oh of course yeah yeah so yeah. I've I've some cars annoy me because there's lines start at the front and yeah. they go down three quarters of the way and then it kicks up and it's not 100% resolved yeah. so there's something about Volvos I have loved the boxy Volvo shapes you know the estates yeah the classic traditional Volvo you look at them now and there's they are a design statement right yeah. um, and they're honest that's what good design is good yeah. design is what, form follows function but if you, if you look at really good, like I don't know old Porsches and stuff yeah. like that where design is at its essence and the form the shape uh, you can take away all the frills yeah and you don't have to be able to technically analyse this you just look at the car I look at it and I see yeah. um, and there's some cars have moved me you know <laughs> and like the Porsche 911 I, the older the yeah. older ones still I look at them and I design just design classics design classics the Volkswagen Beetle yeah the Mini the Mini yeah the you, mini know, uh, the, the, you know the old classic Volkswagen Golfs mm. you know there's some that and, and you know put that up against a Toyota equivalent of the same age and they don't stand the test of yeah. time yeah 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 Travelling with Expressway and your free travel pass is made easier with a reserved seat. When booking journeys at expressway.ie, 
make sure to select seat-only reservation free travel scheme and pay just two euro per trip to guarantee your seat. Bookings can also be made from ticket machines in stations and priority boarding will be given to those who book in advance. Travel without a booking is still more than welcome, if you prefer, provided we have space on board. Take it easy with your free travel pass and expressway.ie. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. You're, you're doing you're literally doing what you love in, yeah. ter- in terms of the creativity the TV side which you know you, you mightn't have thought of until it arrived into your life but you're clearly really enjoying that I mean it's it, it, it comes across that it, they are fantastic it's running what 13 14 years now, yeah. the series and it's seven yeah which is amazing and, yeah. and it, it, it looks like it's going to just keep keep going strong oh, as soon as you say that it'll be cancelled you know, like, absolutely <laughs> but you live that yeah. that's the only thing about the TV that you do live that knowing that this could be cancelled next year and you have yeah. to be okay with that because not every show runs and runs and runs and even the best ones no. uh, even the best ones have to, have to end at some stage and yeah. you've already had uh, you know in terms of the half-life of a, of a series it's already yeah. done very well oh, I remember on day one somebody said to me when it got recommissioned and I was kind of humming on they said look Dermot this will run like if a really good TV series will, you'll get four years out of yeah. it yeah. now we're on and that's where you've done well so we're on series number 13 uh, of 14 years so I don't look yeah, but if they drop it tomorrow I, 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 I won't feel it's a failure I feel we've had a good run and, and you are doing other things yeah. I know that there's a, the project you're involved at the moment is the um, this is the Ava housing partnership yes. and this is to, this is to do with I mean I, I heard the concept was brilliant do you mind just explain it to us okay. for, for seniors at home yeah. in large homes. I've, I look I, because of what I do every time I go onto the radio people ask me about the housing crisis and yeah. what's, what's, what's dysfunctional in Ireland and the problem is in Ireland we don't build a variety of housing yeah okay so uh, if you go to Denmark if you go to Berlin you'll get one bed apartments two bed apartments three bed apartments houses but they'll all be built within spitting distance of each other whereas we do an ocean of three bed semis yes or we do an ocean of five bed houses or we do blocks and blocks of one bed apartments so the concept is the concept is that we have say take an average three bed semi right Uh, or a four bed semi and you've got somebody living there by themselves mm. um, and they, uh, they they you know they, they're thinking I, I'd, I'd love to rent out a room or yeah. I'd love to kind of so the idea behind the Ava housing is is that is that we take um, grants and we uh, that are available to people okay, okay? and so we, we put them into um, so, so basically what you're doing is you're, you're, you're taking an average three bed semi and you're splitting it in two so an up, upstairs downstairs. upstairs downstairs thing it's a really simple idea so downstairs an average three bed semi will have a kitchen 
Yeah. You'd have a, a good dining room, room at the back of the house and a good sitting room to the front. Yeah. So it's three individual spaces. Yeah. So you get a living room, a sitting room, yeah. you get a kitchen, and you get a bedroom. Okay. Very good, yeah. So you've got everything that anybody needs who's living by themselves. Yeah. They've got a back garden, their own back garden. They've got their front garden, their own front garden. They've got their street, the street they've lived in for yeah. years. Um, and then upstairs is accommodation that they don't need. Yeah. Because there's always going to be rooms that are unused. So what you do with that is then you, there's another three rooms upstairs because yeah. it's the same floor plan. Yeah. Okay. So you get one room as a kitchen, the box room. Very good. You've got a bathroom at the back of the house. Uh, you've got a uh, a room at the front of the house, which is uh, a, a, a becomes a living room. Yeah. You knock that through to the box room. So you get an open plan, kitchen, living, dining. Very good. At the front of the house. And you get a bedroom. Yeah. And, then and if you want, you could put a door on the stairs if you are, do you? Or, not not necessarily it's because that's subdividing the house so what yeah. this is trying to do is provide a really simple solution yeah. that doesn't cost a fortune to convert because we, we leave as, as many existing walls as possible and yeah. um, what we do then is when you're say kitchens and, and living spaces and, and, and bathrooms downstairs we make them accessible so we make the bathroom a little yeah. bit bigger so that yeah. if somebody is in their say 60s now they're planning for what happens when I get to 70 yeah. and I might need I mightn't be able to get around as easy as possible or 80 so we put in the grab rails we put in yeah. the accessible bathrooms and you're future proofing you're future proofing it and um, but I suppose the thing is that you're you're now creating uh, accommodation upstairs for somebody yeah in a, a residential area in a mature residential area where there's good transport links so yeah. we're looking at areas uh, w- with these projects that are same and you're working closely with, it is a charitable endeavor yeah. and you're, you're working closely with them um, are you, I'm a director ah oh, fantastic so I've, I've been there since day one oh, so, congratulations so, that is brilliant. so I was on a radio show chatting about this and Michelle Moore yeah. um, f- was phoned me she says look I've been thinking about this for months as well and we met up we had a coffee then Kieran Ferry another architect came on board so we to tell you your plans are stupid no 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 he's <laughs> <laughs> no but the, 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 you know the, the, this is a, a project that I've been on since yeah. day one so um, and so we've now got government funding we the, the, we, we did a couple of pilot schemes they worked yeah. out really well um, so I suppose to go back even just to, to finish off talking about so basically what happens is so you've got the ideal situation is that you've got uh, the homeowner living on the ground floor yeah. you've got somebody living uh, living upstairs they're paying rent mm-hmm. so the homeowner has got an income now yeah. every single month okay but we're, the, the, we the we cannot go above a threshold or otherwise tax ki- kicks in so yeah. what you're doing is you're providing an affordable accommodation upstairs so for somebody who's working say like one of the key areas that we're looking at is Beaumont Artane right right beside Beaumont Hospital yeah. lots of lots of young there. people there who can't afford yeah. rent could be a junior doctor on a six month rotation exactly or something so what we're hoping is that you know You'll, you'll get people who are struggling to, 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 to afford rent can now now have somewhere affordable that's close to transport links even if they're working in the city whatever um, and you know in an ideal world and let's be altruistic about it yeah. you'd love that they became company for each other that, yeah, yeah you know because yeah. you know it's, it's lonely for somebody maybe moving up from the country trying to rent in Dublin they've immediately got a pal so does the the, the, the homeowner yeah. that but like it, but and, it, and you help the homeowners find so we I suppose the whole idea behind the scheme is that we kind of coordinate and facilitate all that so we would find the tenant Very we good. would find we do all of the work uh, with the planning authorities we do all of the the, the, the construction drawings we do all of the uh, you know the, the, uh, what you call it on site work 
Yeah. So it's it's helping them and guiding them through this Brilliant. process. And, and if people were interested, how would they um, how would they contact you to talk to you about it? It's Ava Housing. Just Google Ava, Ava Housing. Housing. Yeah, and and uh, th- th- send us an email. So at the moment, we 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 have been given funding from the government to do uh, twenty houses. Oh wow! That's next great. year. So we are currently looking for people who would be interested in having a chat with us and see does the scheme work for you. Now, all of a sudden, that is a big construction project to be project managed and overseen. Isn't yes. It? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So it's yeah. but no, it's it look. This is where we're scaling up. So this is now going to be divided into teams, and so. It, but our job is to facilitate it uh, yeah. and and to to get on board whoever we need to get on board. Uh, we're, we are we're, this year as well. What we're doing is we're we're, we're applying energy upgrades to the houses. So very good. Yeah. So Brandon is living in a freezing house. Yeah. It's it's all look. I think it's a win win. And um, look, we've chatted a good while. I wanted to say one thing, or just pick your brains on one thing before we finish up. Um, Dublin as a city. Yes. Uh, um, we sometimes argue about this at home. There, there is, in my view some fantastic new architecture that's going up um, and some less so. What's your view on what what is happening with the city at the moment? Are there buildings in our city that you love at the moment and are there buildings that... I'm, uh, people, uh, and people ask me this question all the time, right? Yeah. And uh, that's why I want to. Do yeah, and and I people don't like my answer mm-hmm. when I tell them because they're always asking me to pinpoint a building that I love, and I think that's a really New York thing. You know, it is. When yeah. you go to New York, I love the flat iron building. building. Yeah, the, yeah. the flat iron building. Flat I love the uh, whatever the, the the Jenga building, which we went. I love Dublin mm-hmm. because we don't have high rise. Okay? okay, we have a shoulder height in Dublin of about six stories, right? And that means that every city, every every window in in Dublin, if you're on a street, more or less, you can talk to them. You can stand on the street. You can communicate. Yeah. it's a very human scale. Yeah. Also, right. love the fact that with six floors, you you get natural sunlight into every street. I've been on streets in New York that are completely yeah. overshadowed, right? Yeah. I've been in street like it works in say Italy and places like that where you. Need Need, where they, they want the heat to be yeah. kept to a minute. I love the fact that Dublin has got a very human scale. And I love, what I love about Dublin, my favourite thing about Dublin yeah. is the in-between spaces, okay. in-between buildings. I love South William Street. I yeah. love Stephen's Green. I love the squares that, like if you if you, if you you to describe, I love Marion Square, right? Yeah. I love Stephen's Green. Yeah. But there, if, you, if you actually analyse it, right? Every building is the same. They're red brick. Every window is the same. The whole. Yeah. So if I said I'm going to design this most amazing space, and we're going to put a regular window in, and we're going to put six thousand of them, we're going to put the exact same size front door. People said that's really, really boring. So people go. Say if you go to Australia, which they're they're famous for every house being different. Okay, yeah. But you never drive down an Australian street and think this is a really powerful street. It, nothing feels themed. No, you go to the tight streets uh, in France, mm. in Brussels. You know where all the buildings are the same, yeah. but the street becomes the thing. And I think there's something incredibly powerful. So variety is a prelude to monotony. So if you yeah. want to do something monotonous, put in everything different. But that's what Marion Square is. Yeah, it's the repeated element. Repeated yeah. element over and over again. And there is an amazing joy in that. But yeah. what it does is it creates the square. Yeah. It creates the square. Where do we love going on our holidays? We look going to Venice. We go to St. Mark's Square. You know, if you think about all the places that you go on holidays, nobody ever thinks about an individual building. They think about the feeling of sitting yeah. out on a terrace. They think about having tapas in yeah. on the Ramblers. You know the squares yeah. that are off the Ramblers? Yeah, of course. Nobody yeah. really thinks falls in love with individual buildings, but they fall in love with the spaces in between the yeah. buildings, the streets. That's what gives a city a feel. It, it gives it its personality. And I think... Yeah. 
Uh, people will fight and people will hate me for saying this but I'd love to see most of Dublin pedestrianised I would love to see cars slowly eliminated from all of our urban centres because it makes it walkable it makes it sit outable and we have the most beautiful towns so what we have to do is there's no point in saying oh I want all cars gone we have to then work out how do we get people in and out of our cities really easily yeah. so that it's, they can enjoy them but it's not a, an ordeal and I think that's the next challenge is to think beyond the car yeah. how do we make our towns and our cities um, that we can enjoy them as public outdoor spaces and the car isn't the most dominant thing but it's easy for me to get there yeah. because now we've realised when we had our two kilometres five kilometres ten kilometres we're how heavily or how nice and the people who enjoyed COVID are not yeah. COVID the, the, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean the, the, the most yeah. Where the people who lived in the lovely villages. Yeah. And they went for the walk and they had their coffee out of a truck, whatever, and yeah. they were able to go for a walk in a park. Yeah. They were but then got to know every nook and cranny of, the of their ten and yeah. and really enjoyed it. And I think we all deserve that as a nation. Yeah. So something good will come out of it, hopefully. I'm hoping. Yeah. Dermot, you're an absolute star to talk to me. I, I mean I could, ch- I could chat for ages because you head off for a pint and continue. Oh, I nothing nice. Th- thoroughly enjoyed it, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I wish you great success with the Ava partnership, which seems like a terrific idea. Yeah, and if I just it contact Contact Ava Housing. Um, Housing. Google Ava Housing and contact us. And we are um, we're 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 looking for people now. We've got funding to do twenty houses next year, and we're looking for people who we think this could really benefit. So have a chat with us, and we'll see and 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 see. Does it is it a good fit? You'll know instantly because anybody who's taken part in this and the pilot projects up until now, it's been an instant click. Yeah, brilliant. Um, Well, listen, thank you. Just two things before we go. Firstly, you have to say that my new home office is lovely. Your new home yeah. office is lovely. Thank you. And I'm on record saying that. And that's also, the only bit you're recording. Isn't it? recording yeah. And then you could also just state for Lorraine's benefit that there's absolutely no need to do anything else to the house, that the house is fully, completely architecturally complete and couldn't be changed. Or what does Lorraine want to do? <laughs> she wants you to say exactly that. So okay. Don't put yeah. it apart. Yes, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, listen, thank you very much, Dermot, for much much all um, Thank you. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Thanks to Dermot for taking the time to talk to us. Welcome to part two. I'd like you to meet a friend of mine. Klaus Kramer is a German photographic artist and media practitioner now living in County Clare, but in a former life he worked with the FIA, the world governing body for motorsport. He has fascinating stories on working with Michael Schumacher and travelling in the carnival that is the Formula One Grand Prix circuit, as well as some insights into why a German feels much better and safer riding out Covid in Ireland than in his native Germany. Off we go and meet him and let's find out more. Klaus Kramer, I am delighted to see you. Uh, how are you? Very well. Thank you very much, Connor. It's been a number of years. It's been a number of years. I'm talking to you now on Zoom. You're, you're down in Clare, where you live. Um, but I was, I was looking at it, and when we first met Klaus, it was actually 1995. So it's 26 years ago. And the reason why I know that is that um, Clare won the All-Ireland Hurling that year. And I remember you being absolutely delighted. I remember talking to you on the phone from Germany and you were you were ecstatic that Claire had finally won in All-Ireland. That's absolutely true because um, 
I am really, I'm a big, big fan of, of all GAA sports. Mm. And uh, certainly one, it's, it might not be one of the reasons why uh, Claudia, my wife and I, uh, live in, in Ireland again, as we did, yeah. as I did before. <laughs> Uh, but certainly, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm absolutely a fan. And I hope I can see good inter-county games very soon. Yeah. Very soon. And, and you will, I'm sure. Because um, I remember when I first met you, and this, I was a very young guy at the office. I mean, obviously, it's a long time ago. And I was sent to pick up three German guys from the airport. And I had no idea who I was going to meet. I just knew that their names were Klaus, Hans, and Wolfgang. And if you could... <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was like a guy walks into a bar joke. Um, but but one, one of them was yourself, Klaus, and, and we, we got to know each other then. You, you were working in the FIA Foundation, which is the Federation Internationale d'Automobile. So you were based in Brussels, I think it was, working for the World Motorsport yes, Body. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't the, uh, the FIA Foundation that... Um, that was founded a little bit later, actually, Connor. Right. It, it was the it was the FIA, and I was uh, directly responsible to a gentleman by the name of Max Mosley, mm. and I uh, acted as his uh, spokesperson for, for some time. The colourful Max Mosley, yeah, in his oh, pre-colourful period. Very, very much so. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I I have to say, I, of course, I I know um, I was quite familiar with uh, his uh, familiar background, mm. uh, um, kind of related to the Guinness dynasty, as some people might know. But of course, then there is this rather infamous father, Oswald Mosley. Yes, the British fascist. With, yeah, we started the, the Nazi movement in Britain and. Uh, and Max uh, was kind of leaning into that direction when he was very, very young. Um, mm. He even spent one one night in prison because of, of the demonstration that he that he took part in. But after that, he changed. Uh, he changed entirely. He and did. I, uh, I knew him pretty well, and I have to say, he was he was a um, he, he was an eccentric in many mm. ways, but but he was a, a decent decent enough guy. He was. I, I knew him too, because uh, I mean, I, the AA Ireland was the Irish affiliate club. So I actually, at that time, I had a lot of dealings with the FIA and, and with you. So I, I met Max on a number of occasions. You and I were cooperating on a road safety project, I think it was. We were making a video. Um, but you told me then when we met that you, you were a, a hibernophile and you had lived in uh, Clare. And um, I, I found that fascinating. But you really did love the place. And you lived there for years in the 90s, didn't you? Yes, I, um, I did. Uh, I moved to Ireland for uh, for one year in 1987, and ended up going back to Germany in 1994. So that was a pretty long year. Um, <laughs> it was uh, the reason the reason I left Germany was I, I was kind of feeling burnt out from from my job in the ADAC press department. Again, ADAC, you remember, yeah, the world's largest automobile club, and I, uh, I was responsible at the, uh, with ADAC for. Uh, um, for safety-related issues as That's well right. as, uh, motor, as motorsports, and uh, motorsports was kind of the the subject that kind of that made me, um, yeah, basically go to go to join the FIA. Yeah. Um, but initially, I was concentrating on on the largest uh, safety campaign that this this world has ever seen up to this day, very day. Uh, it's, it's it, the name that that uh, we came up with. Kind of was kind of think before you drive and uh, ten seconds. I remember uh, it. Yeah, yeah, ten ten seconds before you drive. Yeah, it was quite successful. Ten seconds that can save your life, and it, it rolled out it, all across exactly, Europe. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember uh, not as only, part not only of Europe. It was uh, it was literally everywhere. Even the the AAA in, in the states picked up um, some of the um, some of the topics we had. It was very very fascinating. So yeah. really, it was kind of today the, the word wasn't there at the time, but today you would say it, it went viral. It went viral, yeah. Um, and it shows you the, the enormous global reach of the FIA. Absolutely huge organization. So you, you lived in that sort of motorsport world. Well, that's true. That's true. So basically, um, uh, I remember one day, it was in uh, 1998, when uh, when Max Mosley rang me and he said, Klaus, would you like to go to Japan for the for the uh, Formula One Grand Prix? And I said, um, yeah, of course, why not? I'm, I've, I had seen in my capacity as the Deputy Director General of the FA in Brussels, of the Brussels office, I had seen loads of GPs that year, plus I had mm. done press work as National Press Officer for German uh, Grand Prix uh, before. Yeah. Someone Max said, would you like to go to Japan? I said, well, I never was in Japan, why not? And then he said, yeah, but I'm asking you for a reason. Would you like to to um, become the new FIA media delegate. And that was a bit of a surprise. And I said, well, yep, I think, yep, Very good. I, think I can do it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's, that's how, it's, how uh, my, my time in, uh, um, in Formula One started. And it was really, it was, it was fascinating being at all the races, not only being yeah. there, but being there way beforehand. You have to like the flyaway races to Australia, Malaysia at the time, Japan yeah. and, and Canada and so on. Uh, you have to be there at least a week um, before the event starts. You have to make sure the media centers are working. And that's, it, that it's astonishing the, the scale years. of those yes. events, isn't it? Yeah. The, I, uh, I mean, you, you, you'll have a quarter of a million people or more attending, and that's that's just on, on on you know practice and race days. But the scale of the carnival that uh, and and the logistics that are put in place for every Grand Prix, it's astonishing. It has to be seen to be believed. Yeah. That's it's, it's it's amazing. They uh, they still have the four or five um, seven for seven jumbo jets that, that take the stuff to the flyway races, <laughs> um, and and about three thousand personnel. That's it's quite a lot. I had Michael Schumacher in Dublin, um, for a press event. It's, Were you in the FAA at that time, or had you? That was that, was that was my doing, but I wasn't I wasn't in Dublin for that one. We had Michael Schumacher booked for an FIA road safety foundation event, I think it was. And he was to be in Paris. Um, and, and that was the slot that we booked. And um, But then it turned out that the French president uh, was Jacques Chirac, I think at the time. And uh, he was going through his diary, or and his secretary was, and he said, what's this? And I said, oh, that, that's a photo call with Michael Schumacher. And he said, Michael Schumacher? Il n'est pas français, il ne parle pas français, il ne conduit pas une voiture française. Moi, je dis non, annulé, complètement. So, no meeting was, no, it cancelled, but we had Michael Schumacher. And by coincidence, there was a European, uh, there was an EU meeting of transport ministers happening in Dublin Castle on the date in question. So, we switched Michael Schumacher. Instead of putting him into Paris, we brought him into Dublin 
where we set him up in uh, Dublin Castle. And I, I was the one who organised that. We got this seatbelt slide contraption in and um, we wound up with with Seamus I, Brennan, I sent, our transport I you, minister. I sent you the guys. Yes, You sent, sent me the guys, guys for the seatbelt slide. With the yellow, yes, with the yellow seatbelt slide. That's right. The yellow seatbelt slide, yeah. which, uh, yeah, the great big contraption which came over from Germany in a, in a, in a, couple of vans, I think it was. Uh, and we got it into Dublin Castle and um, Michael Schumacher wouldn't sit in it, but he he did pull the lever that triggered mm-hmm. Seamus Brennan to yes. slide down the slide. But I remember I was being, I was in charge of, when I met Michael Schumacher, which was obviously a, you know, a, a thing that you'll remember. Um, but I was also in charge of press passes that day. And I have never been so popular amongst the Irish uh, media. <laughs> I can under- totally understand that, Connor. Yeah. Yes, I know. The pulling power um, of Michael Schumacher. But you, you were you were on the press side in the FIA for that. So, I mean, yes, you, you was, were organising yes, these events. Exactly. Well. This is, um, that was actually my responsibility um, to, to send Michael to wherever he, he could go. And uh, the reason that we got Michael to, to do the, these, uh, um, these press conferences and stints in uh, different countries was an event in a race uh, where he collided with Jacques Villeneuve and um, the the FIA made out it was intentional. He said it was not intentional. Well, nobody knows the truth. But anyway, um, the FIA said you have to pay $1 million. Mm-hmm. And uh, Michael said, no, I, I won't um, because uh, I, I don't see why I should be paying $1 million because um, his... Um, uh, team wouldn't pay it because <laughs> for some reason or another we're in Formula 1 at the time we were talking pocket money but still yeah, uh, he didn't want to pay there's this famous story that Michael once said he, he likes buying his jam in Germany because it's cheaper than, than in Switzerland but, <laughs> we, but, but that was obviously that was the Michael Schumacher of old we don't know what, what's how he is these days we can only hope for the best we but uh, anyway um, yeah. I had a meeting with Michael Schumacher's um, uh, manager Willy Weber in Stuttgart, and I flew in from from Brussels uh, one morning, and uh, uh, Willy's offices were pretty close to the airport, so so I got there by taxi, and he kept me waiting for about ninety minutes, and uh, which I didn't find very polite. And, and then he, we had a very short meeting. He's, he said, "I said, okay, if you guys um, don't pay up." Uh, then we want Michael for uh, seven uh, for seven dates at press conferences all over Europe, and um, he said no, and uh, I said yes, and when he said you can't forget it, I said okay, thank you very much, Mr. Weber. I got up, um, went down, went down to my taxi, um, rang Mr. Mosley, Mr. Mosley rang Mr. Weber, and then Mr. Weber rang me and said, of course you have seven days with Michael Schumacher, and then I started <laughs> organizing that. <laughs> went very very quickly very good and one of those one of those dates was supposed to be paris and had to be switched to the last right. minute to yes. dublin yeah it's, yeah we started in uh, we started in uh, in brussels um, we went on we were in essence we were in, in warsaw um, in, we were in bonn uh, when mm. the, the government was still there and, and, and that's by the way um, michael knew um, Knew uh, the effect of these these um, seatbelts sleigh uh, because you hit uh, you 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 sit just to to describe it to you, to the listeners you sit in, in an ordinary car seat with with headrest and everything and you and you, you have your seatbelt on everything is fine and then you slide down uh, slide down and then you hit a, a barrier 
and that is at the speed of 35 kilometers. Yeah. And that is pretty, pretty quickly um, in comparison to, to if you just brake and stop very smoothly. Mm. Um, most of the Formula One drivers that, that tested it, um, I remember David Coulthard at Nürburgring, he, he just hit and he, he said F and there were three more letters, which I didn't quite understand. <laughs> um, and that was the general comment uh, on, on, on this. And that's why Michael, he did it in Bonn once and I have photographs of him sitting there uh, coming down and hitting, hitting the, the barrier and his, like he, his face was like all puffy and, and, <laughs> and he said something very, very similar to to what what uh, DC yeah, had said. I did before. it. I did it a couple of times when it was in Dublin. Yeah, I, I did. I did it. Too, I did it too. It was quite, quite. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was, I was, I, I was willing to risk a transport minister. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're much more expendable than uh, than than Michael Schumacher. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But that's but that's the reason why Michael never, never, ever got in, into that sleigh again. Never. He wow, only did it once. He told me about it. We had uh, when we were in Rome, which was probably the most memorable uh, trip of all. Like um, he always flew in with his private airplane. Uh, yeah. I was always there, like in Athens or Warsaw. So I was always there the night before. I met him at the at the general aviation terminal then. And when he arrived in Rome, it's quite interesting, quite funny. Um, he is his uh, plane uh, rolled into parking position after a while. Michael got out and saw us and waved, and so everybody was very happy. So. Um, he opens the door, walks in, and says hi. And so we said hello. And next thing is uh, this customs man. Sorry, passaporto per favore. And Michael looks and says, "Oh, do I really have to in Rome? Do I for Aridai? Do I have to show my passaporto?" And he said, "No exceptions." And oh, wow. so Michael walked back to his um, to his plane, and after what he couldn't find his bloody passport, of course, and it took some some about fifteen minutes or so until it, uh, before he came back, showing his passport, and then said it's okay, but it, but it can have an autograph, so he could, the customs guy got an autograph <laughs> and a photo with Michael. Traveling with Expressway and your free travel pass is made easier with a reserved seat. When booking journeys at Expressway.ie. Make sure to select Seat Only Reservation Free Travel Scheme and pay just two euro per trip to guarantee your seat. Bookings can also be made from ticket machines in stations and priority boarding will be given to those who book in advance. Travel without a booking is still more than welcome, if you prefer, provided we have space on board. Take it easy with your free travel pass and expressway.ie. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. 
To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. The, the, the celebrity that surrounded Schumacher was just astonishing. I mean, it, it, you could see him even even in the even in a crowd at at, at, a, at a Grand Prix, you would yeah. notice where the the thicker knot of people is is, is oh Michael Schumacher was, always, was in the middle Michael, of that. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, being, uh, I was I was lucky enough to 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 meet him and 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 be able to talk to him for so, so pretty often and. Uh, he was he was such a nice guy. There were many people who said he was uh, he's arrogant. He, uh, the last thing he was, he was certainly not arrogant. He was yeah. um, he was uh, he knew exactly how good he was. That's yeah. one thing, and but he, he knew exactly as well um, how difficult it was for himself to protect himself of all the the, the influences coming mm. from from the people around him um not not necessarily negative influences but uh, there was just uh, an overload of information yeah and, yeah so well that's, I, I, that's when, when he kind of said bang stop no more question things like that yeah well um, i found him i found him lovely to deal with um and, and not that i dealt with him much and i was just i was just one of the million people that he met um but we did have a you know De- de- dealings in and around that day, and I, I thought he was great. He just was a, yeah. a gentleman. You know? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Oh, he's st- he's still is. He's, he's well. Still is. We should say um, yes. God, yes. God bless. Well, when when I was uh, working for for the FIA, then um, there was until two thousand, mm. um, just just a bit more than than one year. That's uh, that's um, as how, that's how long I did this job as media delegate. Because they they kind of uh, scaled everything down then, and my position obviously mm. was pretty high ranking. Yeah, and they 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 closed they closed quite a bit of um, of the me- of media support then, and they uh, they gave us they gave all of us a, a, a very golden handshake, which was pretty pretty nice. Always nice. Well, you know, it's a, it, 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 apart from the fact that it might sting anyone's feelings a little bit, it was actually a very good outcome, Klaus, because they, you know, they gave the golden handshake, and you can often yes, do something course, else. Yeah. And then, you, as you always threatened to, or at least when when you and I used to talk regularly, you, you then ultimately relocated to Clare. Um, yes. Yeah, which uh, like ex- ex- extraordinary. Um, your your timing was absolutely priceless, Klaus, wasn't it? Because oh, it, you practically pulled very... up outside the new house with your suitcases on the day that COVID hit, more or less. Mm, yeah, that's that's true. It was uh, actually Friday, the thirteenth of, of March, <laughs> twenty twenty. <laughs> when I when Claudia I got, not got superstitious the then, I presume. Claudia was in Germany. She she was stuck in Germany. She couldn't get out uh, of Germany for um, for the time being. Uh, she only came but one one month later. She mm. literally literally got the last Aer Lingus flight out of Munich. Absolutely wow. amazing. It was the literally the last flight that Aer Lingus did on a Sunday morning out of Munich, and, and I was in Dublin to to collect her. And it was such, it was so, so sad, Connor. It's mm. incredible. Like the, the empty airport, <clears throat> just a few airplanes running around. That was all, it was, yeah. it was tragic, yes. We got used to pandemic subsequently because obviously it, it has lasted so long. But, but that, that first lockdown period was was absolutely uh, tragic, wasn't it? I mean, in the deserted cities, the drone footage of the deserted places like St. Mark's Square yes. and Venice and um, 
centre of Dublin, centre of Paris, extraordinary. Yeah. And there you are in Scariff in County Clare, you know. That's right, yes. Setting up, setting up the new life. Actually, one of the things you said at the time was that you were relieved to be out of Germany and into Ireland uh, because you, you preferred Ireland's COVID precautions. You were very critical of the Germans. They are, yes, absolutely. Um, both, both, that's not only, uh, doesn't go only go for me, that goes for a lot of people um, I heard of. And I heard of, of people in Germany who, who would be much happier to be living here. Because the, although the the incidents in Ireland are very very high, mm. um, there still seems to be a, a, a lot of support for them and the government. And you in, in Germany, you would find that there's a load of anti-vaxxers around. It's an, an amazing fifteen percent of the adult population now. So uh, that's extraordinary is, by uh, Irish standards. Not, yeah. Has not been vaccinated. Yes, and they and they refuse. It's not only that they they are not vaccinated because they didn't have the chance to do so. They simply don't want to. That that wouldn't fit with our preconceptions of Germany. I mean, you you know both countries very well, but the typical Irish perception of the Germans is that they're you know meticulously organised and anything. Logistical of that sort, they're extremely capable at, and you you know you'd expect the population to show you know a great deal of centrist common sense, and yet there's this big skeptical cohort, isn't there? Yeah, it's uh, it's a cohort <clears throat> of of about ten million people, twice twice the population of Ireland, and uh, you would say about fifty percent of those five million would be really really hardcore anti-vaxxers, really hardcore, wow. and that's uh, and the. the Worst thing about that is that um, the anti-vaccine scene in Germany has been politically influenced by the ultra-right. And yes. That, that is really frightening. Yeah, in nasty Italy, bedfellows. Uh, absolutely. Uh, in, in every country, certainly around the globe, no doubt about that. But in, in Germany, there's... There's a bad bit of history to look at. Um, yeah, there is, isn't there? Uh, the yes. exemplar country. And, and yet, the, you know, the, the, the latter rise of the right in places like um, Hungary and Poland and, and even France come presidential election time. Absolutely. Um, but, but, but Germany, you know, certainly at least as bad as those countries in terms of the, the, the lingering presence of angry, disaffected. Uh, yeah. My God. So does Ireland feel like a, 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 a haven of, of common sense, safety and security? Because <laughs> Well, you, you started laughing. No, of yeah. course, uh, Ireland is, is a, just a, a European country um, trying to, to, face, uh, to face a pandemic. Uh, every country is, is adversely affected. That's totally clear. And every government made mistakes. Um, and that does, that goes for the Irish government as well. Um, I think in hindsight, one can say that Christmas 2020 was not, um, the, the happiest Christmas that, no. that Ireland ever had or, or anybody ever had. Um, but I, I totally understand the, the, the position of, of people who are who are in, in their office and have to come out with a decision. They have to they mm -hmm. have to please a lot of people. Um, uh, I, I personally, I'm I'm simply following I'm I'm simply following science, and this is it. And if it, the economy has to suffer for for a while, it, I know that. It, it, as, as it happened this year, by the way, uh, yeah, the, economy, yeah. the economy kicked back much, much stronger than, than anticipated. And, and even in, in many cases, uh, stronger than, than in 2019, the year before yeah. the pandemic. 
So the I pandemic has had winners as well as losers, Klaus, hasn't it? Uh, yes, in the, in the economy. Yeah. But, if, but if you look at if you look at um, the, uh, the the overall picture, it's um, the economy everywhere in Europe is pretty pretty powerful. Mm, amazingly robust. Um, so how, how's the econo- how's the economy in Scarif? I, I know that you're 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 working as a as a photographic artist, and you're still doing that's, PR work. That's correct. Time. Yes, when I um, when I uh, learned my trade, I was um, I did a training as a journalist, a writing mm. journalist, and um, a photographer at the same time. The pictures that I that I take, they they do look different. Many pictures do look different from from stuff that other people take. They do, uh, and uh, yes, and I had one one exhibition. I started exhibiting about seven years ago, um, mm. and uh, in Germany, obviously on the nation, the national scene. But I was extremely lucky um, that I got on the international circuit so quickly, uh, just yeah. after one year or so. And so you were doing uh, exhibitions around Europe, weren't you? Yeah, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I was I was in uh, in in France. Uh, I was in uh, in Austria. Had stuff in um, in in other countries. Uh, my my most memorable two shows were twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, just before the pandemic started. Um, were in Albania, of all places. Albania, yeah. I I, yeah, I saw um, online that that you you had been in Albania, and you loved it. You you thought it was a really oh, oh, I absolutely did because um, the Albania kind of kind of moved towards. I don't say they they've reached their goal yet, but they moved towards a democratic state. Uh, they are a democratic state, of course, but there are still yeah. a lot of things they, to be done before they can join the EU. They're uh, a candidate they country noticed. officially, though, aren't they? Absolutely. Currently, yes, yeah. they are. Yeah. Um, but what you notice with the the young pop- the younger population there is is absolutely fantastic in languages. Italian was always a language that was kind of closely related to to Albania because uh, the uh, Albania was uh, was occupied by by Italy yeah. for a number of years. So uh, you find that, and but but you you find that um, that if you go to Albania, the the the, the English spoken is absolutely amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you should way, notice. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't notice. Uh, and a way that there is a there's this this get up and go in Albania that that you mm. notice with many uh, with many Irish people that you can actually compare the two countries. I met so uh, so many people who uh, had been working in uh, in other countries in Europe or in the states or wherever. Mm. And they all came back to uh, to Albania then to live there and to work there. Um, the startup scene in Albania is, is fascinating, absolutely but, fascinating. And you know, I think it, it's a legacy of yes. it's a legacy of poverty, uh, Klaus. That might be something that, that that Ireland and Albania had in common because Albania was destitute country in Europe, and and so too was was Ireland in relative terms in sort of the thirties, forties, fifties. And, correct, and you yes. know, an ongoing legacy of of, of emigration and then um, returning emigrants, and um, but I, I think in in Albania's case, the young, hungry, educated, uh, multilingual population um, w- would have to give you confidence that they can, you know, ultimately do in Ireland and catch up. Absolutely, yeah. I think uh, I think this is exactly what is what is going to happen. It will be a number of years, of course, but it was a mm. number of years with Ireland too. But uh, the it was really amazing how how much you could, I could 
um, compare the two countries. Because remember, uh, I first came to Ireland in 1987. Yeah, a different Ireland then in terms it of was the economic a totally background. Different Ireland. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yes, it was quite, quite interesting. Yeah, but going back to exhibitions, uh, I had one exhibition in Ireland now. Um, oh, very good. From, yeah, the, the, the only one that, that was possible so far. Um, I had one in, in, in the gallery of the public library here in Scariff, and it was Lovely. really well attended. I left, a, I left a, um, a guest book there, and there were so many people um, that just kind of complimented me on my work, and that was quite good. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, it's one of the ways I sort of half keep in touch with you, because you do post regularly these spectacular uh, landscape and sunset photographs from, um, from, from East County Clare, which they're just amazing. They're just a you know a, a joy to look at, and they come up on your feet. Um, so you're 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 doing that in due course. Life in Scarif will normalise, uh, and you you guys will normalise with it. Did Claudia manage to get her car across from Germany? By the way, um, her car is back in Germany. We have um, uh, we have a garage there in Munich, so it's sitting in the garage and waiting for spring or for better for better things to come. <laughs> For better things to come, and do you see yourself spending a bit of time in the future between Munich and Clare? You, you, will you pop back and forth? Uh, well, no, definitely. Um, Scarif is the centre of our lives. Definitely, um, I have been to Germany only uh, twice in, in the last eighteen months for mm. from just for medical appointments that I had, like yeah. long plan things that that uh, I just and it was just easier before before I start uh, getting into the medical system here. It might yeah. be eas- easier to stick with what, what we have in Germany. And plus, of course, they have all my data, you know. Yeah. Well, in theory, um, that's all smooth, isn't it? Because you haven't left the EU. Uh, hopefully, in no, practice, all of those things are smooth. That's right. Yeah. It's, no, it's, perf- it's perfectly smooth. No problem at all. But things that had been long planned, we just, I just did. Um, I will be spending some time in, in, in Germany next summer because one, provided um, Corona allows all that, which I hope it will, and I'm pretty yeah. sure it will, is um, this one major international exhibition, which I'm invited to for um, like six years on the trot now, or seven years mm. on the trot, and it didn't take uh, take place in 21 and 2020, but for 22, everything seems good. It's, it's called uh, Art Ending, and that's a big show near Freiburg in the south of Germany. Yeah. And coinciding with, with that, uh, with those dates is, uh, it's really something very, um, um, very interesting. Um, I was uh, awarded a, a, an artist in residence. Oh, fantastic. Yes, in an in a, a East German city called Zwickau. So uh, I, I, I will be there for a period of like between two weeks and oh, that's four, lovely. four weeks. Yeah, I was very excited because um, they contacted me here and it was kind of really, uh, it was uplifting. Yeah. See that people, people I'd never heard of, people um, I, I didn't know were so interested in what I did and said, okay, we would like to have you here. And that was Fantastic. great. So, hmm. Yeah. And is there one place where people can go, Klaus, if they want to, uh, if they want to see your photographic work? I mean, maybe get people just to Google Klaus Kramer photography, Claire, and that should get you. Uh, CEK photography. That wouldn't be possible too. Yeah. 
CEK photography. Fantastic. Um, and as I say, I look at it, I look at it myself and there's some uh, wonderful photos there. So, so next year in a better year, you, you'll have a chance to enjoy the period as artists in residence uh, in Germany for a while, which will basically be based in, in, in Scarif uh, and hopefully yes. manage to take in a couple of good, uh, her, her, hurling matches while you're at it. Um, it, 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 it as, as we as we speak, um, Germany is um, well from the outside looking in feels like a big transition. No more Angela Merkel after after 16 years. And you know, I don't know what Germans think of her. I was going to ask you, but from the outside, she has been the voice of reason in my mind. She's been the leader of the free world when when badly needed, um, and, and her absence really does leave a, a, a gap. But there's a new guy. Well, what do Germans think? Yeah, I think um, Angela Merkel really deserved the credit she got. Uh, she, she was she was um, a very solid um, politician, mm. uh, still is a very solid politician. She's uh, she, she was never very fast with uh, reactions to things that happened, mm. which, of course, many people... Um, looked at something to to criticize as well but always she always took her time but then again she's yeah. a scientist she's a she's a she's a, a physicist and so she she looks at at figures and mm. um, data and then she she makes her decision and her decisions were were mainly right but then again mm. they were they did not do what what Germany really needed uh, what, what to to achieve and that was um, get the uh, digitalization mm. um, in you know, on on a, on, a, on a better for for the better word of it, on on a motorway. It's it's kind of on a on a country lane in Germany. And yeah, Germany sees country. itself as being strategically behind in that you know Ger Very Germany was all, always in a heavy industry. Germany led the world for many years, but it perceives yeah, itself strategically right. as being behind in the new industries, doesn't it? Behind South Korea, behind the US, obviously, behind other Europeans yeah, behind, even. Behind Japan, yes. Um, yeah. Not so much behind uh, Europeans, but if you look at if you look at the at, at broadband, the and the efficiency of broadband, the uh, availability of broadband in Germany um i think you have better you have better uh, um, broadband in, in in the backs of beyond in ireland than, than you have in many many parts in germany and you certainly have better broadband in albania and, and i can vouch for that um what, what do you think about the new guy olaf schultz oh i think he's much he's uh, he's much more uh, orient, uh, oriented although he's a social so in the uh, social democratic party uh, he's much more oriented towards economy much more mm. And uh, together with uh, the Liberal Party and the Greens, they formed this government. And it looks, at the moment, obviously, they only started yesterday. Yeah. But, uh, at the moment, uh, all their programs do look as if they have the, the a massive support from the population. Mm. Then again, everything is overshadowed by Corona. And we just have yeah. to be realistic and, and wait for a couple of months and see what's, what's happened after the winter. Yeah. Um, so I think that sort of summarizes where the whole world is, Klaus, isn't it? We're just going to have to wait and see how things are after, after the winter. Um, but, but uh, you know, across many uh, things, we've got good, good reasons to be optimistic. Uh, yeah, 2022 should be better than 21, which in turn was better than 20. Well, I think, yeah. It's apart from getting used to 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 bad things. It's uh, I think we have we have the tendency 
Newman kind of tendency of making the best of whatever is there. And the mm. Irish have that in abundance. The Irish <laughs> certainly, certainly make the best of everything, even if it was really, really, really bad. And it's not really, really, really bad. No, it isn't. It's 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 not too bad. <laughs> it's not too bad. Yeah, yeah. We we we, we we'll get we, we'll get we'll get through it. Um. So that's a, a very optimistic note on which to on which to wind up the podcast chat, Klaus. Oh, um, we, we're definitely going to to meet soon. We will have to contrive a way. Um. I don't know if you guys happen to be up in Dublin for one reason or another. Um. Or or, or we'll we'll. Uh, we'll, we'll find a way. We'll find a way ourselves to get down west. Um. So hopefully we'll we'll meet for a drink. That would be nice. We certainly will at some stage. Yes, looking forward to that. Not in the not too distant future, as they say. In the not too distant future. Klaus, Klaus Kramer, thank you very much. You're more than welcome. Thank you, Klaus Kramer. Great to catch up with an old friend. We'll do that drink soon enough, and we may have a chat again for the podcast. Klaus has many more tales to tell. Until then, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. This has been Driving Life with Connor Faulkman. If you did enjoy it, or bits of it, then maybe you'll check in with us next time. Until then, drive safely, live happily, and come back and see us again. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations.